This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Robin, and today on Books the Bird, we have a guest again. Again, Hello. it's me, it's Heather. I am it's here. It's me, Heather. Yay! Um, so for our factions, we have Lula, Alex, Rose, Max, Nova, the mom, the dad, and the lady de la muerte. <laughs> uh, no names for you, mother and father. That's it. Yes. Um, I'm sure there's a name in the book somewhere, but yeah. I'm very bad at the names of characters' parents. I just, I'm That's chronically fair. bad at it. Um, somewhere it so. exists, probably. Also, um, I took French in high school, not Spanish. Please forgive any pronunciation <laughs> things. Uh, the Casa Muertos are our first, uh, kind of group of characters for our minor character spotlight. Mm-hmm. They are meaningfully, uh, actually, I would say functionally, but not meaningfully distinct from standard zombies. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I, um, I, okay. But, I would like to push a little bit back on that to say that there are, I, I don't know. There are several things that you could consider to be standard, so maybe that's not a helpful they thing are, to say. They are a mm, mm. they do they transmit by by death, not just a bite. This is uh, true. They you they have to actually kill you to reanimate you. They have some consciousness. They're not mindless and just hungry. Uh, they go through phases where they become mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. and less human looking and sounding and acting there you we can't just say they're a zombie like if we're gonna outline that we can't say a picture your typical zombie this is what i mean but but this is what i mean by functionally but not meaningfully distinct like there are like differences in like the exact mechanics of how it gets to i mean being a creature that you can generally react to the way you can they have consciousness but i would say that a specific thing that is addressed in this book is Mm. how much consciousness and how much real life is to them so i would say Mm -hmm. that there there actually is a piece of that thinking on it that is meaningful to the story because it's this person they're alive they're fine it's okay and it's like no and we don't we don't have really good examples of this but the book doesn't really focus on the zombies that are not like our main character squad uh, mm-hmm. but if you think about the zombie having that functionality sometimes and not others and literally infecting the people physically closest to it by killing them i'm sure there are 
in a way that you can't really have in a lot of movies and in a lot of zombie situations in our media, you can literally have a zombie going, oh, no, I murdered my best friend or family or whatever. And knowing that they did it because they are awake and remember so and they're and dead then, too, and they're grappling with that. Like, there's so yeah. many, there's and so many ways that this actually later. gives us agency later, and like, yeah, there's so many like spiraling things to this that are incredibly are, meaningful. <laughs> they are zombie adjacent who have consciousness, yeah. and that plays into the story. Yes, they are also personally creepy enough, but <laughs> just, not, just enough. but not so bad that I have to chuck the book from the description. I'm glad uh, because I would never hand a book to you saying, please read these zombie book. What I did say <laughs> was, hey, please read this trilogy with yeah. us. I really want you to get to book three. Yeah. Um, I will admit I was not really <laughs> thinking about <laughs> the, zombies the zombies in the middle in terms of getting you to read this with us. And um, <laughs> the Casa Muertos are very interesting, I would say, as well, because as Nikki pointed out, as Nicole pointed out, that they are, uh, you have, they spring from death. It's not a bite. It's not a mm-hmm. curse. It is a curse, but it's not just a I- curse. It's like, it's not just you as an individual, I have cursed you, and therefore you are affected as you are cursed. It's curse-ish. And, and, and therefore it impacts all of these people that are connected to you. And it's really, if you want to drive the guilt game home, it's a good mm-hmm. way to do it. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, that's our uh, next topic. Yeah, so they are <laughs> they are very they are set up very well, um, mm-hmm. and they are used effectively. And yeah. also, like the particular um, the particular version of our zombies are different um, leads to someone being like, "Oh no, I'm a zombie." <laughs> But also, my I've killed my parents. Yeah. But also, their hearts look tasty. Yeah. And you can get that in, like, five minutes. And then it's like, <laughs> nah, I'm good. I feel great. You feel great because you ate your parents' hearts. Yep, I feel great. There are so like, many books that try to set up a atmosphere of fear, an atmosphere of building tension. And you get these lulls in them, and you're like, oh, we're safe, and then you're not. I can't, now it's been a couple months since I actually read the book, but I can't remember from when everything kicks off, them having an actual period of time where they're like, everything's good. They're no, just like, everything just isn't forever. good, and I'm still standing. Yeah, it's just panic oh. forever as they try to hurriedly f- fix everything and, and the threat yeah. is still constantly being built there mm-hmm. is still constantly more stuff happening but the underlying goal and threat also is very continuous which is really cool mm-hmm. um and also yeah they just i think they're they're written very well <laughs> there's a thing with how um some secondary characters wanted to try and solve this where they're basically trying to treat it like a standard like infectious type of zombie and they're like yeah we just should like kill all of them and that'll stop it um i feel i i wonder if because of the particular mechanism whether any collateral damage caused by whatever they did to stop it 
would just like make more of them. Oh, like duh. you know, trying to tamp out a I fire with a blanket, but like yeah. I don't mean it, duh. it I sets mean, it on fire at the like it sets it on fire <laughs> at the edges. I feel like you'd get the the yeah. zombie version of that would happen. It's um, yeah, you, it's not <sighs> a infection that you can tame because you have to go at the heart of it. You can yeah. mitigate it, kind of maybe, but it's not going to be solved. Unless you mm-hmm. actually get the heart of it taken care of. And I feel like that is such a good way to discuss this series because we you can try and do stuff around the edges, but it's not solved until you get at the heart of it is kind of the thesis statement of this series. And um, you also need to take care just, of the stuff around the edges, but they are not mm-hmm. your top priority. They just it's the concept of like you do need to address whatever symptoms are going on. But if the symptoms aren't immediately life-threatening and you can focus on the main reason for the issue, do that. Because then that's going to stop the symptoms. But if the symptoms are immediately life-threatening, handle them first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then take care of the thing. Um, yeah. Um, uh, family <laughs> relationship triage is like, is like a huge thing <laughs> in this trilogy. Uh, and it's great. Just, it just continues. all right so about that um guilt we mentioned (laughs) that this series um this this whole family they're they they have a lot of guilt they're good at going to guilt as like one of their big emotions so after there is a concept yeah. of you either react to things happening in your world as you it's an external cause or an internal cause. And there mm-hmm. are a lot of people who and I don't know if this is nature or nurture or whatever. I'm not a psychologist, but it's the idea that if somebody yells at you, you're either how dare you yell at me? That's on you. Or you're either how dare you yell at me? What did I do? <laughs> and this mm-hmm, entire mm-hmm. family is what did i do how is it my fault how did i cause it and sometimes okay. it's true and sometimes it's not <laughs> you say the entire family i have a feeling i we'll I, got, I haven't gotten to rereading wayward witch <laughs> quite yet i think rose is more the other type but alex and lula are absolutely the what did i do oh! type yep yep that that tracks um so Lula Rose at least copies a lot of her siblings' thought patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but Lula definitely is like um there there is some aspects where the family, whether rightfully or not, is like, you did this to me, but it's mm-hmm. a you did this to me and I don't want to hurt you, so I'm gonna hold on to it, which is also not healthy. Um and yeah. Lula a piece of this I would say she shares responsibility for, and a lot of it she doesn't, but a key piece yeah. of it she does. Okay, so like it is not Lula's fault that the that we have bus crashes, everyone dies. Yeah, that's that's like not that on is her. that is not her fault, but because she has this really really intense survivor's guilt. Um, and then there's also, so she has like the general survivor's guild of I'm the only one who, sur- who 
it looks like they're going to make it out of this bus crash alive. And it's and then also crash as well. Yeah, um, I don't want to spoil uh, details because they're a little bit gory. Um, but there yeah. is a situation with how they are in the bus where one but not both of her and Max could survive. And the paramedics, for, you know, triage reasons, decided to prioritize her. And so she, like, can't move. She can't do anything. And she hears them talking about how they are deciding mm-hmm. to prioritize saving her and not her um, ex-boyfriend. And it means that, like, her, she has all this, like, time to stew in having, like, her only thoughts through all, like, the meds and, like, them trying to save her life and whatever. Her only thoughts are that th- she wants them to save Max, but she can't communicate it. She can't really tell anyone. She can't And then do she wakes anything. up. Yeah, and then she wakes up and they're like, oh, sorry, he is technically... Technically not dead, but basically dead. It was literally, like, she has survivor's done. guilt, and the mm-hmm. thought of, like, I couldn't save him, I couldn't do anything, and the uh, weirdly helpful but not helpful conversation that she overhears of, of them saying that, when it's like, you can't hold on to the guilt that someone else made a choice. I yeah. else made that choice. You did not tell them to save you. You wanted them to save him. You you can't. But she takes this thought of like, I should have done more. I should have been able to save them. Move my cats. Please do not step on that. Um, <laughs> and uh, I would like to contextualize for our listeners or our audience. Um, this is the zombies version of the Princess Bride. Mostly dead, slightly alive. <laughs> it's yeah. that but instead if wesley instead of wesley coming back to real life it's as if wesley came back as a zombie and so then yeah. lula goes and does instigate hearts. a thing that does actually have repercussions and causes uh the casi muertos to be a thing casi muertos probably um to be casi muerto casi muerto there we go uh to like exist and she's not free of the consequence either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then she has genuine guilt, but that would actually, it, it, I don't remember correctly. Yeah, she it, like pushes against it a little bit of like, I was just trying to do this. This isn't my fault. Oh, but yeah, it is. Like, but the, no, but eh, like denial because of what we'll it would get to mean. the thing we'll get to the thing she is actually responsible for for our last topic yeah but like yeah she she has a bunch of guilt over the thing that like literally isn't her fault and not nearly as much guilt over like by the time she gets to the point where she does the thing that breaks things and makes most of the plot happen um she's in by denial. the time she does that yeah she's like she's past the guilt phase she's she i took things into my own hand and i did this and i i i made it better she took guilt over things that wasn't her fault mm-hmm. and then tried to fix it and in terms of oh, like man. the author like setting this up um i think it's you know, t- talking about this trilogy in this way and noticing how, you know, this is the second time in the trilogy where we've had some kind of guilt as a topic. Um, it's, I don't know, it makes them feel more like 
like a family. Like that's not the only way to have your characters be a family, but like emotionally there's like resonance between them. Mm-hmm. There's in like how they like the the emotional like background to them. You have a very like, consistent prompts them to this. This is how this family was formed. And mm-hmm. then each individual based off of their age and what happened when they were at what age and what they remember and everything molded a little differently but you're right it's like they have the same clay and that's very clear they were raised Mm -hmm. by the same person they had a lot of the same teachings pushed onto them and then just how they reacted to it is unique with each one of them but there is that consistent um because even the third book has a i don't know if we'll choose it as a topic but there's some guilt there too yeah it's it's a very the world is on my shoulders family, mm-hmm. and even sometimes when, that's even fair, when, and sometimes it's not. Well, the thing is, they decide that the world is on their shoulders now, and then they make a choice, and then <laughs> the oopsie daisy, that was not a good decision, and now the world actually is on my shoulders because I just locked everybody else out of it. Yeah. Goodbye resources. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like this is up to me and everyone else is like is it is it up to you oh yeah yeah now it is mm-hmm. oh, no, yeah now it is <laughs> good luck have fun oh no yeah How do it, we- like i mean and that that's a thing that like in this book explicitly mm-hmm. not in book one but in this book explicitly our protagonist was told hey we know you want to but we have but depending on the person saying this between what 20 to probably 80 years of life experience in and magical life experience ahead of you and we're telling you hey don't mess with this because you will harm the the whole area around you magically and physically and she goes "Mm, but i'm sad because i lived (laughs) and like it's not as simple as that like it it matters more than that to a character and it matters more than that to a person when you have that that type of guilt or guilty feeling but like that's literally from a plot perspective that's what it was she was told don't do that we know better and we are teaching you better and we know that you could do it without us don't do it and she was like "Mm, but actually what if i did though and they were like hey we could help you fix this and she was like no because it won't fix what i want fixed it won't do what i want so i'm not going to take your help to heal as a person instead i'm just going to do this thing and then after that of course they're not going to help her and they're not going to trust her and like why but why should they also and also now it really is on her shoulders for hashtag spoiler reasons like i'm trying to think this whole so my experience as i think the only person who hadn't read the series before we started doing it for this these recordings Mm -hmm. oh oh, okay i just also Uh, haven't reread them oh you you bought them (laughs) wait no you bought them to read yeah Yes. Yes. You, she okay. Did. Yeah. You just you heard the premise and said, "I need this." Okay. Um, I mean, Robin said, "Hey, do you want to record a trilogy about siblings?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." What, what are the books? <laughs> you, These are the books. Okay, cool. And I was at Barnes and Noble, so I said, "Okay." Oh. Okay, Can you okay. send them to my house? Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> it was a very uh, short, short my, time frame. <laughs> but both of you had read it and then had time to digest it. Yes. I literally mm-hmm. read them, and then we are recording these. And my experience with reading this book has just been me reading on my couch going, just stop touching things. Stop it. Leave it alone. Don't touch. Bad. 
no more touching for you put your hands in your pockets and fucking chain them there and leave them alone <laughs> don't touch no more i feel like it's just a, stop it's a really good like if you look at like a toddler who breaks oh, a thing but- and then wants to try and help and they're not they're not oh, gonna do it it's not honey, they're not come, helping like, come away let me wash your hands no i need no 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 toddler, that's glass like come okay here. okay toddler I, grabs flour off the counter knocks it onto the floor and then panics and says mommy help and mom comes to the kitchen and goes okay stop moving and the toddler starts flailing out of fear <laughs> so like i mean i i think <laughs> about yeah. i think about the engineer's triangle a lot uh, because it's a very useful <laughs> oh, thing sure. that I learned in engineering school. Um, can you TLDR that in under 10 seconds? Because I don't know. Yes, I can. Okay. Uh, engineer's triangle, um, fast, cheap, or well. Pick any two. Oh, you cannot have oh, all three. I do know what this is. Okay. And like, <laughs> those aren't the exact words for this, but there's like an engineer's triangle problem is what's going on here. Because it's also she, a musician's she, triangle problem. Also, payment, what? time, or quality. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. College That's a different way of saying it. Either yes. sleep, friends, or school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, L- Lula, you know, wants, um, wants to be in a relationship, wants Max to be alive, and wants him to love her. It's something. It's something close i'm she wants I'm close i don't quite have she, she wants, wants her some, healed and she wants yeah. him to love her and, and well yes, that's i mean more is. more than love her because cherish like no, you know support her something. they, they support, want they yeah. want the relationship she actually wants that they his emotional weren't having <laughs> that then led to the breakup which is like yeah, right the very beginning right and <sighs> yeah eclipse and because she move. was initially unhappy when it when you know he was alive but they weren't going to be together i apologize like, for the tail flicks and the meows yeah. in the background if you hear them eclipse is protesting <laughs> getting like, off of my desk or not sitting on sewing supplies but <laughs> yeah the more the more pieces of that triangle she loses the more she clings to insisting that she needs to have all three yeah and her accepting that not only is she not gonna have all three but she's not really gonna have any of them is like the emotional arc of the book is her accepting that yeah accepting Um, it and releasing herself from like having to fix it right releasing from some (laughs) of the guilt yeah on to lula and life drain yay so <laughs> I can I just say before we mm-hmm. totally get into the the discussion, I mm-hmm. really like the intricacies of how this works, mm-hmm. and I really mm-hmm. like that it kind of feels like a murder mystery mm-hmm. in a good way, where yes. like we don't actually know what happened until Lulu finds out what happened, and she's wrong several times. It's mm-hmm. very good. It feels like we're on a detective mission as she panics and scrambles and tries to figure out what is happening. And I really appreciate it. If anybody likes like detective stories that are good detective stories and also zombies, you'll love this book. Yes, it they're they're definitely like investigating and trying to figure out what's happening 
and there's a lot of trying it, to keep it, the audience or keep yeah keep the audience in um without giving you all of the everything and you know as the one of us who read it twice it holds up on the reread good like the that's hard to do yeah the, yeah um i think maybe if i'd read it like literally back to back but with a year in between it was like oh yeah vaguely remembered like even remembering what the reason was it still worked because like the emotional hook is like it has a mystery feeling but since the emotional hook isn't the mystery um and you know most mystery oh, yeah. stories no, that are designed to be read is, more than one time like you know the hook they, is not yeah the mystery the hook is definitely the the actions that our protagonists are taking and how yes. they are impacting the people around her it's just that if you like murder mystery books yes this might get some of that feeling this will give you that feeling it definitely as long as you go into it knowing you are reading a zombie movie or a zombie a zombie movie a zombie book and then mm-hmm. You just get that extra good layer on top of it if you like things like that. It starts if yeah. you're somebody who tries to solve solve every solve puzzle. puzzle you'll, it you'll be, it will start that. You could get annoyed process. with this one. Um, you can or, get annoyed if you're trying to fit if you're trying to solve it because they legitimately do not tell you ahead of time. Or you can mm-hmm. you can do one of my favorite things. Or if you sorry if you are the person who does one of my accidental favorite things, which is you accidentally read books out of order. And then you're oh, trying no. to put the plot together. I'm sorry. Heather. I have had too many series where I look at the book and I'm like, it's a singular singular book, right? There's no numbers on it. There's no series <laughs> on it. I flip through it. I check. I had the librarian start checking. I had Robin check for a series at one point. And then I oh read it and I finish it. And I'm like, wow, there was a lot missing. Book five? What are you saying? <laughs> like, I've done that to too many different series that I, every time I'm like, this, this is this a standalone? It's not gonna be, but that's fine. And I've just gotten really good at like putting together plot points because i'm missing so much so that now with (laughs) books like this where it's like what's happening and why i'm like i wonder if this is what's going on behind the scenes and i'm not always right but it's it's a fun so for anyone who stumbled onto this episode and this is the first one you're checking out for our podcast this is episode two two of a series of three episodes go back bruja born is the second book (laughs) In the Brooklyn Brewhouse trilogy by Zoraida Cordova. The events that are referenced in the beginning of the book, there's a whole book about it. Like, go go read the thing. Um, yeah, this is book two. But what's r- and episode two <laughs> of our little thing. I haven't done that in um, a while, thankfully. But Lula, with what I think is really fun from like what we were saying in topic two, and I say fun as somebody enjoying the book, not fun for the character. It's not fun for Lula. Not fun for Lula. Is the... Oh, no, I broke it. You didn't break it. I gotta fix it. Please don't fix it. There, I fixed it. <laughs> no, honey, you you effed it up. Um, you broke it more. You, you made it worse. <laughs> you... Mm. <laughs> and this time she actually did very intentionally do the exact thing that she should not have. Yeah. <laughs> like Also, oh. like... Because uh, it is... Okay, so this will be a very minor spoiler. The... Th- when we say life drain, which is, you know, this topic, um, the, all of the zombies, all the Casa Muertos are tied to Lula and what she did trying to save Max and then how him being dead 
how she tried too hard to save him and ended up maybe sort of saving everybody who died in the bus crash. And, Except. <laughs> and the more they intersect with other people's lives um, and kill them, because they're zombies, uh, the more they kill people, then those people are then also rising as Casamuertos. And all of their lives are sustained by Lula. Which means it's slowly ripping her supplemented, away. And- it's supplemented by how many um, hearts they can eat. But like also Lula. And so the more of these are, the worse the problem is. And also the more it's slowly killing her. Um, and there's like a there's like a thing that's growing inside her that gets pulled out at one point that is um it's gross um it's very <laughs> i was all right but on oh, the things okay. it's gross um like personally i'm fine but it gets a cw for gore so you know that it kind of is thing described with some detail and it's definitely yes she can't just sit there going okay well let's just i guess we can destroy them all it's like oh we actually have to tackle this growth. We have to actually stop this. And then the question becomes, how do they do that? And what's the consequence of that? And what's the cost of that? And um, one of the things, and correct me, both of you who reread mm-hmm. it more recently. So we have, um, she, she breaks death. Yes. And, she- and death's mm-hmm. response is, fix it and she's like how and death goes i don't know fix it and it's <laughs> just like because death doesn't know either <sighs> you break it you buy it and, and uh it's, it's kind of the vibes and so that's why i was like correct me if if that was if she did know and just refused to tell that but i was pretty sure she was like i don't know people don't do this put it back <laughs> um and so they're mm-hmm. they're it's a it's a race against the clock Yep, and there's kind of cryptic clues. Oh, but part of what I with with the whole like life drain and that there's actually like a thing growing in her that shouldn't be in her. Um I I like how narratively cuz like if they had just, you know, they uh, fixed the thing and the Casamuertos are all done and that's it. Like, it, I don't know, it would have <laughs> felt like too easy or like weirdly cheap or something. Mm-hmm. But there wouldn't have been a significant but there's a, cost there's a, to the significant thing that was done. Yeah. Like even, I mean, and, and this, even like stuff with like the magic system. Yeah, you can get healed, but you'll get like the person who heals you will have like blowback on them where they have like a version of it echoing on their body. Not as bad as the thing they healed, but still bad enough to hurt. Remind me about that for favorite non-traumatic thing. It's not that, but I mm. have a thought connected to that as my favorite non-traumatic thing. Okay. So, um, but so with, (laughs) um, with, with like that, you know, that that system of, like, the magical um, blowback, that's been going on for this whole series. It's just part of how the magic works. And I, I really appreciated how um, it's not quite the same thing, but, like, the Casa Muertos being tied to, like, this thing growing in her. It felt like, you know, 
it's part of the same kind of system. And it, I, I just, I like the physicality of consequence throughout mm-hmm. this series. They, they very much drive home the do not mess with this thing because it is so important and so easy, not easily, but like, you know, if you do something, it's going to be catastrophic. And then when something is done, it follows through. So it's not for the, for the reader built up to a point of like, oh no, how dare they? Oh, that's all? Okay, whatever. It's like, oh no, they really messed up. And like, we are, I mean- because of the, you know, nature of the trilogy and, you know, which bits of someone's uh, life make the best book plot. We're, of course, f- seeing mostly the places where they break something and things go very wrong. But, like, the the stuff, like, um, each family, you know, having their book of all the stuff that has been written in and lovingly held together and patched over for decades or centuries, like going down these lines. It, and I wish we saw a little bit more of that in the books of like people following the stuff that like all this guidance we have a and little like. bit with this family of like, mm-hmm. they have certain things that they try first before they result to the craziness um that's true they do have some stuff and then so it's established but it's not explored a lot yeah but like the the my main thought with this is that like the we're running into a lot of the well you broke it somebody better fix it but in the mad but that's partly because the magic system is built so much on there is a lot responsibility. of yeah, responsibility. And also there's a lot of practice of like, it works if you do it this way, please, please, for the deus, do it this way. And then when people don't, then it doesn't work and stuff breaks. And, you know, I kind of understand the other brujas in the council being like, all right, your family just keeps causing trouble because- they they do. Wait, can you can you all chill for like ten seconds? No, because mm-hmm. when I chill, I get depressed, and then I sit in my thoughts. Like mm, there's there's yeah. so much of that as well. Of like they don't process stuff. Lula, like after causing all of this, um, in this section, she actually did cause the thing. Uh, after after mm. doing all of this, oh my cat, get off my shoulder. Um. He's trying so hard. It's not going well. <laughs> Sorry. So after she she does all of this, she then, as we said earlier, is kind of past the guilt stage and is on to the denial stage. So she doesn't want to talk about it because she doesn't want to face how bad it is. She doesn't want to face what the actual consequence is. She doesn't want to face what the actual problem is because of what it will mean to her and her life. But she's not telling anyone her fears. She's not expressing what she's concerned about. And then she kind of gets slapped in the face with it. And it's like, you literally need to fix this. Otherwise, your your boyfriend is not the only We're person. We're going to die. Dead. Yeah. Like, like, he's already not. And it's going to get worse. Yeah. You can't save him. So fix it. Um... Be- 
Video games are a unique medium. They can tell stories. Immerse us in strange, fantastic worlds. Blur the very boundaries of our reality. But at the end of the day, video games are fun. Whatever fun is to you. I'm Jeff Moonen. And I am Matt A.K.A. Stormageddon. And on Fun and Games, we talk about the history, trends, and community of video games. It's a celebration of all the games we play and all the fun we find within them. And there's so many more games out there. So we hope you'll share in that conversation with us. Fun and Games podcast with Matt and Jeff. Find us on certainpov.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And happy gaming. On to the wrap-up and ratings for uh, Bruja Born. We, right. we have a guest. And Bullism. Hmm? We have a guest. We have a guest. <laughs> Hello, guest. Please now don't tell exist. us who you are. <laughs> Give us your plugs. Where can we find you? Who are you as a person? Save your pluggables for the very end. Hi, I'm Heather. I am another sibling. Hi, that's me. <laughs> cool. Uh, our sibling, in fact. Oh, wow. Not just like God. someone else's sibling. <laughs> I don't know. Someday, I've been adopted into enough families. It's fine. <laughs> someday we will get the elusive fifth sibling. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've talked One about day. it for a long time. <laughs> One day. <laughs> All right. We have them. They're just not involved in the podcast. That's true. Yet. We do have them. They just need to <laughs> yes. be extant. All right. So for the wrap up for Beer Hot Born, uh, for cannibalism, um, I this is somewhere between moderate and severe. There are a lot of descriptions of it. Yeah, I feel like probably severe. I'm cool so with like, severe. Any one of I, any one of the I things feel like could be okay, even, but it's just even over and though over. even though it's it's the minimum of core necessary for a book where we know exactly which organs are being eaten. So I'm gonna go with severe. <laughs> yep. All right. For survivor's guilt, severe. Like it, it's it permeates plot driving thing. levels of severity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I'd say the same, uh, life change is at least moderate. Yeah. Like, Like, it underpins everything. But it isn't actually, like, graphically described. Yeah, and even, even when it could have been, the description is attributed to something else. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant. You know what? The cannibalism, I'm going to say, I feel like that's actually interchangeable. Oh. What would you change it out for? I was... I mean, uh, they could just be being killed, you, you but no one's for getting another, eaten. You would change it out for another method of infection. Well, yeah, that... Right. I'm answering Heather. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay. That's why. That's why it's interchangeable, not irrelevant, is that we need a method of transmission. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, but even the cannibalism is enough distinct from the transmission that even changing that, like, but you would have yes, to. It, it, it is currently the method of transition y- transmission. You would need another, which is why it is interchangeable because you have to have something. Like, yeah, something has to exist. I agree. There, but it doesn't have to be the actual right. I I agree yeah. that if we put in another method of transmission, then it would be irrelevant. But that's two changes, which means that it's not just irrelevant. Like, right, we right. have to swap it for something else first, so it it's interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, survivor's guilt. Uh, irrelevant. 
Yeah, she did. Sorry. Like guilt, really. <laughs> well, the survivor's she, guilt. What? Okay, I she loved. She loved Max. She didn't even have. She would not even have to have been on the yeah. bus in order for this plot to happen. Yeah, that's true. She just. And, she didn't have yep. to be there. All she had to do was panic and do the thing that started the plot. Yep. And it's not even a interchangeable because that already the thing that would be driving her is already in the book. It is yes. already a drive for her. Yep, regardless of whether she's on the bus. I do think it makes a more full emotional landscape, but it well, is I mean, yeah, but a lot of irrelevant things make full emotional landscape. I mean, yeah, because if you strip out like that's the point of the thing. Right. I should say just, you know, for the audience, a lot of the times when we say the thing is irrelevant, what we mean is you didn't need it in order for this trauma to happen. Or, but also, well, if you always pulled them away, the plot the could have had something else, and you wouldn't really have had to change your story very much. Yeah, in general. Yep. All right, for the life drain, that I feel like that's interchangeable. Or, uh, in- integral, interchangeable. Hmm. I think interchangeable. I think there's a lot of ways that, like, because of the timing of the importance for life drain in the plot. I feel like it could have been replaced with something that isn't literally that, but narratively serves the same purpose, like a magical domino effect of something. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Would would do that. So for that reason, I'm voting for interchangeable for life, Jane. Uh, was the trauma treated with care? Um. <laughs> okay. So with the filter of this is YA. Which gives like a certain ceiling to cannibalism. I, <laughs> I I'd say definitely enough. I um, I don't well. Hmm. But if you feel like me feeling like that's a I caveat means the can, answer is not we, enough, then we have never before said because of the genre that I can remember. We've never given sorry, no, I was just, for that. I was trying to think through it. I'm trying to think so, through it. I know, but I'm just saying because. Like we I can't, say, we can't make that part of our consideration. I, I think would say yeah. we I were agree given with enough. enough detail to understand yeah. what was going on, but we weren't given more than what we needed, this, whatever level that would be. Yeah, this could have absolutely been just treated straight up with not enough care, or with just straight up no. And there are so many layers, and there is care taken, mm-hmm. both to protect the characters and to protect us from even even just you know the thing I talked about in in our our part three just the air of mystery and the fact that we don't actually know 100% how it's going on. That feels, we then get these little revelations of what is actually happening. And some of them are incredibly horrific, but like, we're also not watching them happen on screen, which only, gives us the and the characters this layer of protection. Interchangeable, which meant that it could have been a different thing that could have been handled better. Oh, Yes, but well, that rating but is separate. But that's not from how this. we we're, okay. we we don't care cool. about that. Yeah, we continue. don't care about what if you could have because there's so many things you could have done. The question is, what did they do? And what they what the author did was give us that separation where, if you were to map this out as a horror movie and we were to see everything on screen, this would be terrible. <laughs> this would mm-hmm. be awful and horrific. But it's not. It's it's spooky and you're just removed enough that you have care and i think i was able to read through it and was fine and heather has issues with that (laughs) 
I, I Which do is not important. do great with different gore things. There's yeah. a reason Nicole and I do this podcast, generally <laughs> speaking, and not well, one of us and at, Heather. At some point, I, I was going to make a joke about you and Heather doing the romance books, but I don't think Heather would care about that either, so... Uh, no, I would like the romance books. Okay. Well, then you Robin all can do I, romance. Robin and I can do romance. That's fine. Um, I don't know how, you know, analytical we would be, but. <laughs> uh, for, for Survivor's Guilt, I think this might be not enough. It's so yeah. pervasive. There's it's not a lot everywhere. of cushion. Like, there's, there's little to no cushion. There's little to no cushion, but also... There's no, and this is the only thing I'm going to say about it, and I don't want to dig into it further or give it different wording. Sure. Um, there is no harm that the main character is bringing onto themselves deliberately because of this guilt. There are ways that it could have been just not treated with care, and there are things that could have happened that would have made it very much worse. And I realize I'm echoing Heather's wording that I said we don't do, but my point is, oh no, that's not true. I was talking about something else. But anyways, uh, I think it is not enough because I think... That, it, that we were given a cushion there in a way that is very easy to... I actually thought that was coming in the book, and then it didn't. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the you're way our of, main character treats themselves... with it the Yeah, the way, the way our main character treats themselves, I think, gives... It takes it out of the no category and into not enough. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's as far as it gets us. Yeah. All right, so not enough care. For the guilt. Then, for the life drain. I think um, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it yes or is it enough? Because honestly, both of you have described the ending scene as visceral, and I thought it was the most tame, chill. No, I don't think it was it happened and was I just done. Think that it was very oh, clear um, on what needed to be done. The um the actual description is kind of visceral, but the, See, the thing that needs to be taken the, care the, of is The fine. minor magical surgery is pretty visceral. The actual life drain, drain is, like, fine. Is, this, yeah. this, is yeah. why I'm, this is why I'm saying I'm deferring to both of you, because I didn't find the ending scene visceral in any way. Oh, cool. Uh, the life drain itself is kind of just, it's there. It's stated. It, yeah, it, I'd say, yeah, this is treated with care. Um, okay. Just straight up. Sounds like a plan. Point of view. Who is our point of view? I mean, the whole, Lula. The whole book is Lula. Yeah, because it's again, it's one of those. Yeah. Yep. Entire book, Lula. It's part of why everything is so in your face is because it's all her thoughts. All right. <laughs> Trope spotter. Uh, we have our zombies are different. Number one, they're called Casa Muertos. Yeah. Uh, so that's where you have some way in which the zombies are definitely different from many other depictions of zombies and that matters for plot reasons but also they're similar enough that you can generally speaking call them zombies which is a thing that the characters in this book do pretty interchangeably with casamuertos as a term i mean i like so. that they were the way they were because zombies in general for me are boring mm-hmm. so this no, was this interesting good... yeah which is why our zombies are different is such a popular trope uh, yeah. <laughs> and it works well here uh favorite non-traumatic thing about the book um so this is why i asked 
earlier make the the mental note what was it related to i don't know i didn't actually <laughs> hear i didn't actually lodge in my brain the exact word you said because when you said remind me of this later that replaced what you had said previously mm. so heather i'm reminding you <laughs> uh it's something to do with descriptions and i can't remember what what section were we in was it three it was um, it was the guilt section yeah was it well the description of the objects oh it's um the descriptions of what it with the we were talking about the book i know that that's not actually the thing that that sparked it but that is what's sparking in my Mm -hmm. brain now who knows how my brain works i don't so the uh descriptions of how the cantos work Mm, mm -hmm. are so cool they're not a thousand little tiny details for every little whatever but they are enough that your brain just goes wild and is following and is here's the chaos and here's the here's why everything matters and um and in this book there's a significant one and it's pretty good it's you hit the end and I felt like I went through it to an extent. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's going to be my favorite non-traumatic thing. I don't know if that was what I was thinking of earlier, but it is one. <laughs> it is now. It is now. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm still thinking. I think my favorites are traumatic. Oops. <laughs> Whoops, all trauma. Um... Well, the, okay. My my favorite moments are the things that both of you didn't, both of you thought were traumatic that I didn't have that reaction to. So <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to go into go spoiler details, but uh, the ending scene I thought was really cool and I thought it was really easy to visualize and I thought it made a lot of sense. And I also thought in general that it drew the plot together in a really good way because this was a book where as I've said a couple times, it kind of felt like it was trying to, not trying to, it kind of felt like it was an accidental mystery. And I legitimately didn't know where it was going until like the last chapter, basically. Um, because we had a lot of pieces, but I didn't know how they were going to actually all connect together. And, and there's so many pieces that you're not normally trying to connect together. <laughs> right. Well, that was the other question was like, it, like if I was if I was reading a book in a different, slightly different genre, I could have you know probably pieced together like oh these things are going to connect somehow. This is going to be something else. Like there's there would have been threads, but I I didn't have that like grounding I guess for this series. So um, I was just kind of reading it and just kind of like huh what's okay interesting. This is a lot of things we have juggling here. What's gonna be the thing? And then it and then it was. It was it was more precise and more logical than I was expecting. And I really liked that ending. My favorite thing is the Lady de la Muerte. Um, I, I love how she is specifically the goddess of death and the mortal Earth's dawn. Now, given the exact syntax of it, I don't know if she's the goddess of death and the goddess of the mortal Earth's dawn, or if she is literally the mortal earth's dawn i don't <laughs> really care either way it's just great um i i like how it has that she is endings and beginnings and it's like cyclical and like cool themes of stuff and i i i just really i love that description 
I kind um, of wish we had more interactions with her. Yeah, I thought I definitely thought there was a lot more scenes with her, and then I reread it, and I'm like, oh, they just think about it a lot. Yeah, like she she suffuses the text, but doesn't actually show up very many times. Um, and I wish she showed up more, but that you know, the point of the book is that she's a little bit unavailable. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, That's very true. I would love a spinoff where we just get to see her like, I was going to say day to day, but like her just doing her job. I will. Just like snapshots of the character. Of the I can't promise you that, that exactly. But what I can tell you is that Zoraida Cordova is writing like an extended universe thing. Like Good. this is the second trilogy set in this universe. There oh. is a, an earlier trilogy. Oh, interesting. That follows okay. different characters. Have we met any of them? Uh, I already, so like the, the vampire is, Mm -hmm. I believe it's the vampire is briefly in the other trilogy. Nice. I don't remember whether the vampire and the friend were in there. Yeah. Thornhill is a much bigger thing in the other trilogy. Um, Interesting. Yeah. That had the feel of like, we have backstory that we're not getting into here. So I'm glad that that. The other trilogy having happened and concluded the way it did is the reason that a mermaid would be having a baby that a land doctor would be going to see. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes. Yes. So. um, (laughs) Yeah. um, Add that to my Yeah, I reviewed reviewed that trilogy, too. Um, I don't need to add more books to my TBR pile, but (laughs) I'm adding it anyway. Yeah, like it it really seems like a lot of things that um Zoraida is writing are all going into this extended universe because even when she had something in an anthology, that thing in an anthology was a Rapunzel retelling that is in this universe. And it's a short story and it's great. So yeah. Um but yes, I like the way the things connect to things, and I really liked the Lady de la Muerte. Muerte. Um, yeah, uh, Heather, thank you so much for joining us. You can briefly say your pluggables. Hopefully people have heard them already because they also listened to the episode on Labyrinth Lost, but just in Remember, case. Remember, this is episode two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter at MamaDragon20, um, and then you can find me on TikTok uh, at Mama Dragon S underscore Den, Mama Dragon's Den. I am involved in a D&D game every other Sunday that streams. Details are on my Twitter. Uh, it's very fun. And then I am a fairly right now consistent guest with uh, Kurt Chat, a DM for D&D advice and comedy podcast. If you're a minor listening to this, don't go check that out. Um, wait till you're 18. But it's all of it's very fun. Uh, and then I transcribe for these goofballs. So read the transcriptions. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. Thank them. you. <laughs> yeah, that's me. All of all the other stuff that you would need for me should be on my Twitter. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. And. Uh, both Heather and oh, our audience. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, you have uh, a TikTok point, now. Point and play. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
hey, Heather and point I are doing play. Thing. Nicole and I have another podcast. P-O-I-N-T-E and play. We talk about music and dance fun things, and we are on TikTok as well, where we post things related to music and dance and all of that fun stuff. Excellent. Cool. That's and now that's me. There you go. Good. <laughs> Great. And we will catch you in a fortnight. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at MamaDragon20. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPOV shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at booksthatburn at yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at ko-fi.com slash booksthatburn or becoming a monthly supporter on patreon.com slash books that burn all patrons get access to our upcoming book list bonus content including the second half of all interviews and will receive a one-time shout out to get updates on our written reviews recent episodes and newly completed transcripts subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at buttondown.email slash books that burn you can find us on apple Podcasts, pandora spotify or wherever you get your podcasts please leave us a review wherever you're listening this helps people to find the show thanks for listening we'll be back in two weeks